This is the Muscles and Management Podcast, where we build your body and your business. Talking all things training, sports performance, and business for athletes and aspiring coaches to enhance your training and better your career. Muscles and Management is brought to you by Challenger Strength with your host, Jerry DeFilippo. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 107 of the Muscles and Management podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, you know, going over a couple things from this past week. I actually, I just got done uh, recording an episode with Tony Gentlecore. Uh, really cool episode. We did an outline free episode. It's kind of like saw where things took us. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a cool one from the perspective of like not, you know, going over the minutiae of X's and O's of programming and the nuts and bolts of that too much, which we do a lot uh, of and more of like the conceptualism or like the ideas behind our thought process on things, some business stuff. We talked about a lot. So um, really excited for that. And we also actually, as coincidence would have, it got a little bit into the idea of, uh, you know, individualization and just changing things just for the sake of changing them when it comes to programming. And that's obviously going to be a lot about a lot of talk of the topic on today's uh, episode. So Kind of cool. I'm, I'm kind of flowing already on, on what I want to talk about with that. Um, I said this last week and I apologize. Things have been a little chaotic, but, uh, Julian does have an ebook for release and it will be out next Sunday. I promise this time. So I, I apologize for that, but it's going to be great and, uh, you guys will get a lot out of it. So, um, I look forward to getting that out. If you haven't yet, check out episode 106 this past Wednesday with Max Dudo, hitting consultant for the Phillies and assistant director of hitting for driveline baseball. Really great guy, knowledgeable guy and, and make things, makes things easy to understand. We talked a lot about integration of strength and conditioning with, uh, hitters and baseball and, and what we can be doing on that regard and how we could be working together as well as a lot of just the mechanical and approach based parts of hitting. So check that out if you haven't already yet. And then episode 105, uh, from last week as well at Meathead Monday, uh, another mini Q and A and just all also talking a little bit about strength coaches not overstepping their boundaries or their scope of practice and doing things that PTs do. So check those two out if you haven't yet. Coming up this week on Wednesday, we'll have Anthony Paroli, head of strength and conditioning for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, episode 108. Uh, really, really cool guest in terms of his uh, you know experience in the field and, and just a veteran of the field. And uh, obviously anybody that works with a professional uh, sports team, especially a team in the NFL, uh, we can learn a lot from. So you guys are going to love that. That's on Wednesday. Uh, just to touch on a little bit about the inspiration for this episode, I think above all else, I always want to share what I do as best that I can. And I have talked about this on a couple different episodes before, but I think, um, you know, it's not a bad thing to touch on things even in more depth or to go a little bit further beyond, uh, or, or honestly things change. Like I'm doing new things every week, every month. Um, and it's okay to go over the same topics because what I say about them will, change based on what I learn and what I change personally and how I do it. So I think that's important. Um, I also think we're seeing a little too much emphasis on quote unquote individualization and it's for a marketing purpose or to just look advanced slash better than other programs and coaches. And I think um, that's a problem because what it leads to is things changing just to change or things being different just to be different. It puts pressure on coaches who are doing things in a basic sense and they're doing it the right way. Um, they don't have to change as much as they think they do. And I think it's unfair to put that, uh, pressure on them. And there was also a really great tweet from a friend of mine, Terry Phillips, uh, DPT at driveline, but basically talking about how individualization is less about changing exercises, more about other factors. And there was a lot of great comments on 
the tweet. And I actually commented that the more you train athletes, the more you realize that individualization is more about the load being prescribed, the tracking of what weights we're using, um, things like that. And I think that is really a big part of what I want to talk about today in terms of how we do things. Um, and I also think another issue we have in terms of assessments, and I mentioned this um, last week, fancy assessments for the sake of doing them, um, you know, not getting anything out of them or actually using them to make decisions, just doing them because like, oh, we do an FMS. It, look, it sounds really great to do that. Um, we do a really crazy force velocity profiling with a force plate. Do I actually use it? No. Well, okay. Well, it's pretty fucking useless. Um, I think that is you know, a big part of what I want to talk about is why are we doing things? Are we doing them because we want to look um, advanced? We want to look cool? Or are we doing them? Are we actually getting something out of them? Like, I would rather, and I got to be honest with you, like, I don't do an FMS style assessment when an athlete comes in. You know what I do? I put the athlete through a warm up that we would have any other athlete do, and I watch their movements, and then I will address those movements as we train. So that is a, a example number one of what I'm talking about. Like, Give me something more basic that I actually use and, and get information from, and I'll take the any day over the fancy assessment that I don't really get much out of. So I labeled the episode the true, and I capitalized true, meaning of individualization and programming. And the reason I capitalized true is I feel like there is a misconception on what individualization and programming actually is. Um, we see that term get thrown around a lot in the field, but like, what does it mean? I think too many people mistakenly think of individualization as things have to be completely different for an athlete for you to quote unquote be programming on an individual basis. And we get so wrapped up in like, go to this trainer, he does everything on an individual basis. Uh, go to this coach, he does, you know, stuff for athletes in this particular sport. Um, you know, I think I said this before, like start seeking out, excuse me, good strength coaches, um, you know, ones that are really just good at being strength coaches and ones that are good at applying certain aspects on little changes here and there to tailor things more towards sport when it is needed. Um, I think that's the biggest thing you should be looking for in a good strength coach. And I also think that we need to start, you know, to, to do away with the idea that, you know, everything needs to be completely different from one program to the next for it to be true individualization. That's just not practical. And it honestly just really... Um, it's, it's detrimental because what it does is, is, you know, it ignores the fact that many athletes around the same age need a lot of the same things. And it's like, if we're going to not give them those same things, just to say that we're, uh, sophisticated advanced, we're actually doing harm to them. And I guess just to give my overall definition overall, I would say, in my opinion, individualization is the idea of solving problems most athletes have, but in a way that is more geared to their differences, differences that aren't solved by variations, but by loading and intensity. So that would be how I uh, describe my my view on individualization. I also saw some really good follow-up tweets to Terry's uh, tweet as well about queuing and things like that. I think that that's all great stuff. Um, but in my opinion, the load loading schemes or um, you know how we're applying uh, you know what reps the athletes are doing based on what their needs are. That is the number one way to individual individualize. Um, a trap bar deadlift can mean eight different things to eight different athletes that are in my gym. And I kind of want to give you guys an idea of how I'm making that determination. And I say trap bar just as an example. It could be for a box jump, a loaded jump, a, a landmine press, um, all different types of stuff. So um, let's go over the idea of this token individualization, as I, I want to call it. Um, putting too much pressure on making things different for the sake of being different 
I think sometimes the best course of action is to let things be the same. And I say token individualization, like you think you hear token and it's like, oh, we're doing something just to appease people, right? And I think a lot of the times in strength conditioning, you deal with parents a lot and it's like, who wants to feel like they're getting their money's worth in training? So it's like, I'm going to just make things different so that they see their athlete, their son, their daughter is getting things different from the other athlete in the facility so that they must be spending their money on me completely customizing something for them. But it's like common sense would tell you any 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old, they have a lot of the same needs. Um, a lot of the pro athletes that are 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 have some of the same needs. Things are going to be different and we're going to get to what those differences are and how we can address them. But a lot of, especially at a young age, and, and a lot of my audience is more the coaches who work with young athletes or the parents of young athletes or young athletes themselves, um, understanding that you have to get faster, you have to get stronger, you have to move better. Um, a lot of the things we do, if we took one program and made a program for the average 14-year-old, it would check a lot of boxes off for any 12, 13, 14, or 15-year-old that came in the door, right? If we try to take that away and we make things too difficult, one, we're giving ourselves extra work we don't need, which takes away from the time we could be spending on actually coaching and making these programs, implementing them in a different way. And I think the other thing too is like realizing that um, you know, a sprinter start sprint, for example, is going to be different for athlete A than it is for athlete B and so on and so forth for like the things that they do in terms of their movement, the mistakes they make, how we coach them. Um, and I think that's a really good point other than, you know, I'm going to get to load, but I think that's a, a big realization that we have to have is how we coach each individual athlete through is one of the biggest aspects of individualization, not so much changing variations. And I think at the other end of it too, is realizing that, uh, you know, exercises, like I said, those aren't individualized. Having one athlete do a Bulgarian split squat, one athlete do a Cossack squat, and one athlete do a, a dumbbell reverse lunge is an individualization. Having them all do, um, you know, a, a box jump and have one do a box jump, one do a band assisted jump, and one do a loaded jump, that's individualization because it's taking the same exercise and it's, it's putting it more towards what they need. And this just further proves my point. I could have 10 or 15 athletes in my gym and 13 of them might just need the standard box jump while one needs a loaded jump and one needs a band jump. It's they're not as these athletes are not as different as you think they are, right? So with that said, where do we go to take the guesswork out when it comes to this stuff? Like determining loads and needs. I think above all else, before we even get to the specifics of like testing and things like assessments. General information, you know, basic things that we're going to know if we just talk to the athlete or if we just, you know, use common sense are going to be the number one things uh, right off the bat that tell us a lot. You know, the athlete's age and their training age, their training age being like how long they've spent in an actual gym on an actual strength conditioning program. Um, you know, don't ignore those things. Like get all you can from that information first before we go to the specific information. And I think... Um, you know, a big issue is we go past that and we don't look at the fact that a lot of these athletes are, you know, under a year in training age and they're in that early high school age level, let's just say they're going to need a lot of the same stuff. So I, I have to be mindful of the fact that, uh, you know, when I see over the course of three years, 50 different 13 to 15 year olds, and I get a general idea of what they need from what my experience with them, that when the average 13 to 15 year old walks in the door, I'm going to have preconceived notions off the bat and not even preconceived notions. I'm going to have a knowledge and an advantage of knowing what they're going to need or what's going to solve a lot of their problems based on what I've seen our programming solve a lot of the problems of these athletes. And our programming is tailored 
or changed to the problems that I've seen them have. It's like collecting a database of, of what you've seen from these athletes in your mind and knowing, you know, they, most of them need, um, to get faster, to, to build their core stability, um, to move through ranges of motion a little better or to improve their, their balance on one leg. Like that, that is all stuff that you see through experience and you begin to realize that a lot of your programming attacks all of those areas without needing to be super into quote unquote individualized. And I guess at the end of the day, when it comes from a business sense of things, explain to the parents and to the athletes why things are similar, but explain what's different as well and, and why it's different. And that goes to the, that leads me to specific information. So, you know, we can usually assume all young athletes need to get stronger and faster. Um, you know, we don't need a, velo- a force velocity profile to tell us that. However, I think it's a good practice to gather that as a starting point, even at a young age to have as a frame of reference. And just in case the athlete has particular needs, like odds are you test 20 to 30, 13 year olds, and they're all going to need to improve their force production and velocity based on their static and kind of moving jumps. But there are going to be maybe a couple that can, um, you know, be really strong and you're going to do something a little bit differently with them. That's not on the average, so to speak, or the, 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 the middle road. So it is important to do that. Um, I think once we have that information, um, you know, you take your program, let's just say you're doing a full body template twice a week. You have a plyometric section, a speed section, a push, a pull, a squat, a hinge, single leg, etc. Um, like I keep saying, the variations in those certain areas aren't really going to change from athlete to athlete. All of my young athletes are going to learn how to jump. They're going to learn how to load, whatever. Um, odds are I could assume that most of them need to get better at loading. However, I might have a 13-year-old athlete that comes in that loads really well. So while they're all doing a jump on two feet, let's just say, one of them is doing a pause jump where they're holding the load at the bottom and learning the mechanics. One of them is doing a regular box jump just to get better at rapid loading, let's just say. And then I find one of them has been training for a year and they need to you know, do a loaded jump to get more force use into their jump, right? The jump is being done the same. It's the same. They're all doing a box jump. They're all doing a loaded jump. But the loads we're using for them are different based on the specific information we have gathered. And that brings me to the importance of tracking the load. I think, in my opinion, tracking loads for the made movements of your program is the number one definition or way of individualization in strength conditioning, in my opinion. Why? I don't, like I said, think the variations change much. Let's just say we all have a, you know, general idea of what our lower body main movement is for an athlete, right? However, if I have more advanced athletes come in, they might all trap our deadlift, but, you know, I go to write their programming on the board for them for a given day. One athlete's doing a really, really light trap bar deadlift, let's just say to, to rip the bar off the floor on a more of a, a speed side of the force velocity curve. That's because of what I saw from their testing. The next athlete does the trap bar deadlift right next to them, but they're doing a 75% load and they're ripping the bar as fast as they can, but it's a little heavier to develop force in the presence of a speed uh, intent movement, right? Then you have athlete number three. Uh, they're 13 years old and with the, they're training with a 15 or 16 year old and they're doing a deadlift too, but they're doing eccentric only, um, to work on their mechanics or only doing basic strength training to build the overall range of motion. So they're not doing any bar speed type stuff. Then I have an athlete who might do both. Um, you know, they might do strength training too, but they start and started to get the overall mechanics down and they need to build some speed. That is the same exact movement, quote unquote, the trap bar deadlift, 
But what we did in terms of individualization was determine what loading they needed to best suit their needs. A lot of the athletes that come in will have the same loading needs, but we can have this testing to turn back on to know when those loading needs need to be different. And then it comes to when it comes to coaching uh, to track this quote unquote individualization, having these loads week in and week out. So you have a system that determines what the loads are. You track what those loads are, like what the numbers are based on the percentages. Um, even something as simple as like, you know, three athletes are doing all doing the barbell bench, but they don't just go th- sit on the bench and start warming up and just shoot for a random weight. Each week you are tracking what they did the week before, what they rec- you recommend their load is for that given week. Um, you know, their target load range could be different based on a need or it might be the same. To me, that is individualization, is tracking that load, you know, giving them that guidance of what they need to be doing week in and week out. Like you are tracking that for them and you're changing it based on what is going on for them. The variations aren't changing. They might all get done with their trap bar deadlift that day and they all did different things and they all might need a hypertrophy-based quadriceps accessory. They can all do the same one. I don't need to have all three athletes just randomly doing different quad accessories because I want to look like I'm novel and I'm changing things for them. That's just ridiculous and it's unneeded. And odds are it's just trying to look like you are doing more than what you are actually doing and you're needed for more than what you're actually needed for. Um, you know, actually using assessments to make decisions, I feel like is a major one. How many times do we see something get done and a fancy assessment gets done on the athlete's first day in the facility and then it never gets used? Like, oh, I do an FMS assessment on my athletes. Like, did I actually use that assessment to make changes? Or am I putting, you know, 13, 14, 15, and 16 year old athletes all through the exact same FMS assessment saying, you know, uh, this one has an ankle issue, this one has a, a, a hip issue, whatever it is, but not realizing if they all do the same general program, a lot of those things will be solved by the strength training that they're doing. Unless I'm actually using that FMS programming or that FMS assessment to look and say, you know, this athlete can't do this. They need to specifically have this. It's useless. Those assessments are great, but I see a lot of people use them just to use them, get something out of them. Um, you know, like I said before, I use a regular warm up because I actually get something out of it. It's I'm more comfortable with it. I've used it more before and our athletes use it day in and day out. So I can gauge their, uh, progress with their movements based on the warm up they're doing every day. Even in more of my area of expertise is force velocity profiling, right? Am I having an at all the athletes get on the vert mat and do a static jump and a counter movement jump and measuring them and then giving everybody the same jumps? If that's the case, there, there's no reason I need to be doing that. Like it's not doing anything for me. The only thing it might be doing for me is I'm seeing if they're progressing, uh, you know, and getting improvements, but it's not dictating or guiding or having any of my decision making have an impact on that. So it's a waste of time. That, if you're going to do it, needs to guide your decision making. That force velocity profiling needs to help me decide who's doing what type of jump. How much of a loaded jump? Is the load going to be a heavy loaded jump, a lighter loaded jump? Are they going to need no loaded jumps and need more band assistance work? Um, you know, answer those questions and make sure if you're doing those assessments are actually use, being used to make decisions. Um, and that leads me to my last, last point. How often do variations change depending on the athlete? I just spoke to Tony about this on the episode we recorded, but I think we get caught up in, um, you know, if we have an athlete for multiple years, we have to change things. If they're still working, there's no, no reason that you need to change things, right? I think if we change things just for the sake of changing them, we can run into trouble and we have to be strong in our resolve to just, to, to not fall in that trap. So, you know, 
realizing that our primary movements, like when you're building a program, you make your assessments, you determine the loads the athlete needs and apply a metric uh, with their jumps, the loads they need for sprinting and the loads they need for their main movements, like uh, their upper or lower body, like use a trap bar or front squat, let's say for their uh, lower body, a bench press for their upper body, whatever it is, determining the loads for those things based on the feedback from their programming. If that's the case, I'm trying to use the same movement and have continuity on those main movements so that I can progress or regress them each week. Like if I'm trying to build strength in an athlete, I want to use a barbell bench for the the main movement for all six weeks because I can track as we go down in reps, let's just say, um, what their next load needs to be for the next week. If I'm going from barbell bench to landmine press to all these different things, that exercise is no longer a KPI or a key performance indicator letting me know their progress. It just becomes too randomized to really keep track of anything worthwhile. However, we can have some more freedom and flexibility, flexibility, excuse me, on accessories. So if I know that my accessory, let's just say all the athletes in a group need to work on um, hypertrophy for their accessories, I need to want to put lean muscle mass on them. You know, they can do a Bulgarian split squat one week, they can do a uh, dumbbell split squat the next week, they can do a step up the week after, quadriceps targeted movements, all with reps and tempos geared towards hypertrophy but we can change them to give them variety. I'm not going to obsess over these accessories. They are not key performance indicators for me. They are not things I'm tracking week by week in terms of load because what we can do or what we can handle with those movements is heavily based on how much work we're putting in with our main movements. They are our main movements. We put them first because they are the most important. So I don't really care as much as what the week by week load change is on my quadriceps accessory because a lot of that has to just do with how much work I put into my main movements. With that said, you can give a little more variation here just for the sake of keeping things different to make the athlete more engaged. They want something new, right? It's still working the same area. So that's really where I kind of fall on the scale of individualization. Like have more freedom with your accessories. Try to, you know, not overcomplicate things. Um, the easiest way to know if you're overcomplicating things is to ask yourself why you're doing something different for someone versus the way you're doing it for someone else. And if you have no way to possibly answer that question, it's going to tell you a lot of what you need to know for the inspiration to the motives behind what you're doing. So uh, that's my take on that. I hope that was helpful to you guys. Um, you know, that's how I, that's literally my thought process and how we do things at the gym. Um, you know, any given time you come in to the facility, you're going to see a whiteboard. You're going to see the load, the weights listed. Um, you know, each athlete has their name with what they're doing if they're in a group. And that's the individualization. Like their loads are tracked week to week. I'm tracking them. I'm telling them to go up or down based on what I see. And then as each cycle goes by, what the person needs is going to be impacted by, um, you know, what their testing results show. But that's not to say that I can't have a group of college hockey players all be doing the same percentage on a Swiss bar bench for, for power, let's just say, because they're all genuinely in the same area of what they need. Like that's going to happen and that's okay. I'd be doing them a disservice to look at them and say, you know, micromanage to say, oh, like three of you need to be doing 65% and three of you need to do 45% because if I don't do that, I'm not a good coach and I'm not giving you enough different things. That point, I'm just doing it just to be different. It's okay to come to grips with the fact that some of your athletes are going to need the same things. Just have a system that helps you make those decisions. Like I said, Look at the general info if they're around the same age, athlete training age, et cetera, and then have specific assessments like force velocity profiling 
that can help you make those decisions, track the main movements, differentiate what the loads are based on the assessment and the feedback from those assessments, and give yourself a little more creativity and flexibility with um, you know, accessory variation. So that's my take on that. Um, I hope that was beneficial to you guys. As always, if you have any questions on that, please do not hesitate to DM me or to comment. I try to get to you as many, uh, excuse me, try to get to as many of you as I can. Um, I look forward to seeing you guys again on Wednesday for the episode with Anthony Paroli of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know you guys are going to love that one. And as always, I will talk to you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Muscles and Management Podcast brought to you by Challenger Strength. I'm your host, Jared D. Filippo, signing off on the show that's changing the way we view training, sports performance, and business.